Welcome back, dear listener, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and with me for the first time in a hot minute, it's Eleni Thomas. Welcome back, Eleni, on the podcast. It's great to have you back. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me back. Very excited to chat some footy with you, as always. Always a pleasure to have you on. I'm I'm well, thank you. I'm excited to review the last of the buy rounds and preview the round to come. In case you didn't know, dear listener, that's what this podcast is all about. First two sections, we review the round that's just been, and then in section three, we preview the round to come. So let's get straight into section one of the podcast. Eleni and I, we will each give our top two highlights, top two lowlights of round 14. And Eleni, I'll let you start with this one. What were your top two highlights of the weekend? Um, well, I think uh, my top two highlights were sort of connected to one game in particular. Um, I very much so enjoyed seeing Essendon beat Hawthorne. Um, very nice, very nice win. And it was fantastic to see um, Stringer kick four goals, I believe, you know, had a great game, looking really good. So it was nice to see him sort of looking really confident and in some good form. Um, and then, yeah, my second sort of highlight connected to that was that it was great to see sort of the Tassie crowd get around the footy. Um, definitely lots of Essendon supporters allegedly in Tasmania. So I guess it was the double whammy of Essendon getting the win over Hawthorne, but then also you know, a big fan base coming out to support them, which was really, really good to see. They were definitely my my two highlights for the round, for sure. Yeah, I think, dear listener, if you know anything about me, you know I'm an Essendon supporter, so you know I'm going to say that game's my number one highlight as well. I really thought we were in trouble. I'll admit, when Hawthorne got that first goal of the last quarter, I thought, oh, no, it's not happening again. We cannot lose to this mob twice in one season like we can't do it we can't do it I won't cop it and thankfully I didn't have to cop it Stringer Harrison Jones oh Parish, quiet game influential last few minutes just a phenomenal game all round and it was a great game from Hawthorne as well a phenomenal game of football and uh yeah you were right massive red and black I've never heard watching Hawthorne play in Tasmania. I've never heard Hawthorne players booed in Tasmania. And that was happening a lot. Like, that's crazy. The fact that it's Hawthorne's home ground, home away from home. Essendon's, I think, first ever game at that stadium. And just see the sea of red and black. That was, uh, it was just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Second highlight for me, the Giants. I thought they were fantastic as well. I've got to use another adjective. I thought they were wonderful uh, against Carlton to lead from start to finish. And with the exception of a 10 to 15 minute period in the third quarter, be in total control. I thought it was a, a wonderful effort from GWS. Granted, Carlton didn't offer much, if any, resistance, but I thought the Giants were really, really, really good. Let's get on to the top two lowlights of the weekend. Eleni, what were your top two lowlights of round 14? Um, I couldn't really think of two, to be honest, Casper, but I think the one that I have was like a big one for me. It was definitely seeing the the Bulldogs lose to Geelong. Uh, 
obviously fantastic game. Both teams are, you know, in really good form this season, but I do have a bit of a soft spot for the Bulldogs. Uh, so it was a fantastic game and it was upsetting to sort of see them lose that one. I think it was, it would have been a really, really big one for them to win to sort of solidify their status. Obviously they're, you know, premiership contenders this season, but I think, you know, obviously part of that is still being able to beat other teams that are in form. And I think if there's one thing Geelong's always good at, it's sort of holding on strong and finishing the game well. So good on Geelong for getting the win, but that was a bit of a, a bit of a sad one for me as a, as a viewer. Yep, Sarah, it was a great game of football. Phenomenal game of football. Not a great first quarter, to be honest. Not, not, not a great first quarter, just two goals scored between them. But my goodness, that finish. Oh, what a game. For me, my number one biggest low light, and I don't want to talk about this team too much because we will talk about them later, but Gold Coast. Like, Port, Port Adelaide were the first team to actually lose to the Suns all the way back in 2011. Round... 5-2011 from memory it was. Great game of football. Port led by 40 points. Gold Coast came back. Westhoff had a chance after the siren to win it for the power and he missed. Absolutely fantastic game of football. Since then, loss, 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 loss. For the Suns against the power. It's just been an awful, awful, awful situation for the men on the Gold Coast against Port Adelaide. And and honestly, it's not even that Port Adelaide, although they've had a couple of great seasons in that time, it's not like they've been consistently one of the best teams in the competition. They've been pretty mediocre. And the fact that the Gold Coast Suns haven't gotten close to beating them in that time where they've been mostly mediocre just says everything about how terrible the Gold Coast Suns are at the moment. My second low light, two massive injuries. Uh, Mitch Duncan, I believe it was PCL, out into finals. And Robbie Gray, I don't know what the injury was, but pot potentially out for eight weeks. Those are two massive injuries when you have the Cats fighting for a top four spot, Port fighting for a top six, potentially top four. Those are massive injury clouds, and I'm not sure how those two teams are going to be able to deal with them. And this is a risk with Geelong with their whole dad squad situation because when you have so many old players and they get injured who do you have to replace them so yeah I don't know it's going to be very interesting to see how Geelong and Port Adelaide pull up this week two massive games for both of them which we will get to in section three of the podcast but yeah those are definitely my top two lowlights on to the talking points to come out of round 14 there are some Juicy, juicy, juicy talking points indeed, Eleni. I want to start off with now, I've I've talked about this before on the podcast. Viewers know my, I guess listeners know my uh, opinion on this. I reckon Collingwood should get Paul Roos. But my question to you, as a Collingwood supporter, who do you think Collingwood should go after as your next head coach? And who do you think is going to be your next head coach? I think it's a really interesting one and it's very funny how sort of I guess the sports media and footy media handles this particular topic whenever sort of you know new coaches are being appointed. Um, I was personally surprised when Buckley uh, stepped down that um, Robert Harvey wasn't made the permanent coach obviously at the moment he's sort of 
finishing off the season for the Pies. But to be honest, I sort of thought he was the natural successor. You know, it's been reported that the players love him. He's been there as an assistant coach for years. So I personally just think he should just step up and take the job if he wants it. Um, Because I think it's obviously a fantastic thing that he already has that relationship with the players. And given that Collingwood has definitely had quite a tumultuous past year and 12 months, lots of sort of things happening within the culture of the club. I think, you know, having someone who is already liked and respected by the players would make that transition a lot easier. But in terms of the names they've been throwing around, you know, uh, I do love Ross Lyon. I think he's a great coach. So I think if he ended up at the Pies, I wouldn't be upset about that, even though, you know, he's come out and said, He's not going to, I feel like, never say never. It's like, as you mentioned, Paul Ruse, it was like when he said he was never going to coach Melbourne and then he coached Melbourne. So you can never really take what any of them say at face value, I think. Um, And then the other one that obviously lots of people are talking about are Alistair Clarkson, and I really just don't see it. Um, I mean, to be honest, I'm not a huge Hawthorne fan anyways, so I think... Having him coach Collingwood probably wouldn't be my first choice either, but I just can't see it happening. So I really just think that I think that either Harvey should just, you know, be made the permanent coach or they should just go for someone completely left of field. I think, you know, obviously these are great established coaches, but like Collingwood have a really young side at the moment. And I think maybe having a fresh, new, young, I guess, um, unweathered coach could also be a really good thing for the culture. So I'm not sure. I think I personally think at this stage it should just be Harvey in terms of all the names that have been thrown out. But otherwise, I think just get someone completely new and brand new and shake it up a little bit. That's very interesting indeed that you say that that uh, that you're surprised that Harvey hasn't been made the um, the, uh, the the permanent coach already. I think it all depends on how he goes. Obviously, if, if he doesn't win a game for the rest of the year, I don't think that does his chances any good. But if he wins every single game, takes the pies to 13 and 9, potentially a surprise finals appearance, then surely he would be a lock for the head coaching position 2022 and beyond. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. My, my gut still says Paul Roos. Mike, that still says Paul Roos. I think Ross Lyon is a great coach. I don't believe in curses, but if there's two people who seem cursed to never coach or play in a premiership, it's Nathan Buckley and Ross Lyon. So my question is, should Collingwood switch one cursed coach out for another? Well, I also think it would be funny, given that Ross Lyon lost a premiership to Collingwood, I think it would be quite funny then him to coach the pies and take us to a premiership I think that would even like you said yeah the maybe there's a curse there but I guess it could also be an opportunity for him to break the curse in that sense well it's very true um American football context Andy Reid the current coach of the Kansas City Chiefs he you know was viewed as a cursed coach for almost 20 years at, at two different clubs you know constantly his teams would um choke away big leads in, in, in the playoffs. Um, and finally, they broke through for the Super Bowl win just a couple of years ago. So anything's possible, I guess. On to the next talking point. 
to come out of the ground. If I can just pull up the questions again, it is about Carlton. David Teague, now four and nine, the Blues this year. If they lose to Adelaide, four and 10. Kane Corns reckons that if they lose to the Crows, Teague is gone. Whether gone immediately or gone at the end of the year, that's it. He's done for. My question to you, Eleni, is this. If they do lose to the Crows, what does it mean for David Teague? And let me just double check that that is, in fact, a question that I asked. Um, yeah, there you go. David Teague and Carlton, I word it exactly how I wrote it. Um, David Teague and Carlton, does David Teague see out the year or will another embarrassing loss be the end of his time at Carlton? Eleni, what do you reckon? Look, I think personally, I have never really been a fan of, you know, if a team is underperforming that the coach gets axed halfway through the season. I've never really been a fan of that because I also think that, you know, by by doing that, it's sort of the club's way of just riding off the season. I think particularly like Collingwood, I think it's like getting rid of Buckley. It's like, okay, well, this season is over. Like, let's just see the year out and regroup for for the next year. And so I think particularly with Carlton, given that, you know, they've been really promising in the past couple seasons. There's a lot of potential for the club. They've got some great talent. I just think that getting rid of coaches, and I think it's particularly hard with you've got clubs like Carlton, Collingwood that have got a long history. So I think there's always extra expectation for them to perform. I just don't understand the, the flippant need to get rid of a coach if something's not right because I also think that you know at the end of the day if something's going wrong in a club I don't think you can just you can just blame one person I don't think it has to be all about the coach so I think the club and the board are unhappy with the way the team is performing I think getting rid of the coach is sort of a very temporary way to fix the solution I think that they'd be better off keeping him and at least until the end of the season and maybe spending the next half of this season sort of working out, okay, what is the game plan? How can we change the way we're performing? Because we're not happy. Because I really think that getting rid of a coach doesn't change anything. It still means you've got the same people making the decisions in the club. You've got the same people playing in the squad. And so unless they've got a very clear idea in the sense of who they want to bring into the club, maybe there's a coach who wants to coach Carlton and has a very clear idea of what they want from the club, then that's obviously fantastic, but it doesn't really sound like that's the case. So I, I personally don't see the point in, in getting rid of him. I think at least let him see the season out, regardless of if they win or lose the next couple rounds and then regrouping in the off season. Mm, Here's my thing with Carlton, right? I, uh, I think it would be, ridiculous for Carlton to get rid of him just yet uh, because he's had what half a year when he took over from Brenda Bolton year impacted by COVID so really this is his first proper season first full season let him at least see out the year and give him at least until next year to sort it out but he's walking a fine line 
He entered this year as one of the coaches under the most pressure. And next year, undoubtedly, if he's still there and Carlton don't have a good finish to this season or good enough to make finals football, I should say, then he will be the coach under the most pressure next season. And if they underperform like they're doing now, by the bye next year, he will be out of the job. But the question is for the Blues, I don't think David Teague is the problem at that club. I really don't. Because they've been having the same problems for the last 20 years, pretty much. And that is players, good players, good quality players underperforming. And it's it doesn't it's it's been the same for 20 years. It doesn't matter the 2002 figure that this right 2002 Carlton won their first wooden spoon it took them 105 years to win their first wooden spoon and yet in this century they've won five they haven't played in a grand final since 1999 the last time that they were actually in the finals was 2013 because of the bombers drug saga but before that when they actually made the top eight on their own merit was 2011. And in that time, they've won two wooden spoons. And once again, they seem stuck in the quagmire, going nowhere. So for me, I don't know if getting rid of David Teague would, would help if bringing in a new coach, because there's something, there's something fundamentally broken at that club that needs to be fixed. And I don't think a new head coach is going to do it. So I would caution Carlton on getting a new head coach until whatever it is that's wrong uh, is righted, I guess. Don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it anyways. On to the third question, Eleni. Another bad loss for the Suns. 50-point loss to the power. And once again, they look, they look hopeless at the moment the hopeless sons the sinking sons where what do they do now like where do they go now for the sons what to do for the gold coast after yet another shocking defeat well yeah it's like what you were saying about carlton and i completely agree with you where i think that it's a it's a tough thing because obviously there's pressure on teams every season to perform but with the Gold Coast, I think it's that they just need to completely regroup and really commit to looking at, okay, we're not really being a competitive side at all at the moment and just start completely from the ground up. And I think it's obviously hard because, you know, in previous years, like Gold Coast have definitely had some great talent that have left. Uh, but I hate to say it, but even I don't really know where where they can go from here. I think it's just so tricky when you've got a team that sometimes it just looks like the players don't even want to want to be there. They don't even want to really be playing. And it just looks like there's no real pride and, uh, I guess, desire from the club. I think there's sort of this odd sense of like resignation in a way. And so I think that they just sort of need a find someone or a group of people to really just inspire change and and hard work at the club because 
yeah, like you mentioned with Carlton, I think there's just a culture shift that needs to happen. Uh, and I guess if you don't have the motivation and drive to perform, and that's not just the players themselves, but that's the board, that's the coaching staff, that's everyone. I think if you don't have, you know, a, a united, I guess, movement for then how can you expect the team to perform? But it's, it's very worrying to see. Uh, and yeah, I... I don't particularly know what they can even do but I think something has to change because I guess you know since I guess even um you know joining the AFL like the inception of the club they really have never been able to live up to any potential you know GWS have obviously you know had some great um seasons you know made a grand final but Gold Coast have just been the side that have never really been able to get any momentum so I just think they need to do a complete reassessment of the club and and try to move forward and maybe shift perspective and and goals because yeah it's very upsetting to see but I don't even know what they can do at this point to be honest (laughs) Casper my question um my next question then would be so we talked about David Teague Bucks is gone Clark has been talked about as potentially leaving Hawthorne. Is Stuart under uh, under pressure for losing his job? Will he or could he lose his job uh, as the Suns head coach come the end of the year? What do you reckon? Well, it's an interesting question and I think it's sort of like how I was saying with Carlton, I think a lot of the time those older clubs, there's such an expectation to perform because they're such prestigious clubs. And, you know, like having a, having a coaching position at a team like Collingwood and Carlton adds extra pressure than just being head coach at any club. And so I guess that's an interesting point you raised because I wouldn't immediately think that he would be any, in any trouble. And that could also be because it's not like they've really been performing much anyways, but, it, it could be that maybe they just need to completely reshift and remodel their whole coaching staff, their whole sort of approach to the way the team functions. That could be a solution, but I, it just seems like, like I was saying, it just seems like there's just no drive to make any real change. So even if that could be a solution, I don't think they quite frankly really even care enough to, to make the effort to have that sort of culture shift. Um, which is really sad. I kind of think of them as just like a sinking ship in a way and no one's really there trying to repair the ship. They're just sort of letting it, letting it just overflow. Um, but yeah, do you, do you think that by the end of the season he could potentially lose his job? Yes. And here's the reason why. He's been there since 2018. 2018 finished second last 2019 finished last 2020 okay five wins still bottom four but five wins okay so what improving at least and now they're currently third last on the ladder it's gotten to the point where north melbourne who are currently the worst team in the competition and who have only won one game since the middle of 2020 and that was against last year's worst team in the competition. Obviously, they beat the Hawks this year in Tasmania, and that was a great win. But again, Hawthorne aren't 
setting the world on fire at the moment. It's gone to the point where North Melbourne are favourites heading into this weekend's game against Gold Coast. That's how poor the Suns are going. And I look at the players on the list at the Suns and I see so much potential there. King, Matty Rao, Noah Anderson, Isaac Rankin, even the experienced players are phenomenal. David Swallow, Jared Witts, Brandon Ellis, he's a premiership tiger for crying out loud, among others. To me, the Suns players, they need to rock it up. They need, they need, they need a they need a, a coach with a hard edge. They need someone to fire them up and they need someone who is not going to be too afraid to really let them have it if 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 they're underperforming. And I don't think that Stuart do. I wonder if he's too nice to be a head coach. You need someone with a little bit of a hard, a hard edge. You know, you need someone like a Terry Wallace almost, or well, I was going to say Rocket Ede, but he didn't work out either at the Gold Coast. So for me, I look at the Suns and they've gone nowhere since last year. If anything, they've gone backwards. And that's really disappointing. And once again, they're having a shocking end to the season. And I do think that Stuart Dew's job is in, is in peril. And for me, I think the Suns, they need a coach who is hardwired to success. And that means not being afraid to push the players when they're underperforming. To put it in other terms, my last year of high school, I got a French tutor who was fantastic, but she wasn't afraid to tell me when I was doing poorly. She wasn't afraid to, you know, to, to, to push me in the right direction firmly. And that's what the sons need. The sons need tough love. They need someone to say, you're underperforming and you can do a lot better. And I feel at the moment, Stuart Dew's almost a little bit like, almost out of ideas. And when a coach is out of ideas, that's a dangerous place to be from a job perspective. I wouldn't be shocked if he's out of the job come the end of the year. I well, do- um, I'll ask you this then. Who do you think should take over? I was thinking I was thinking this. Imagine this for 2022 coaching landscape in the AFL. Ross Lyon at Collingwood. Paul Ruse at the Gold Coast. And at Carlton, I don't know, someone like Michael Voss. Reason why I say Paul Ruse at Gold Coast instead of Collingwood is because I remember what Paul Ruse said ahead of taking the job at Melbourne. He said that the harder the job sounded, the worse the team was, the more appealing it sounded to him. And I think Gold Coast is in a far worse position than Collingwood. So if he if he does get contacted by both clubs, I think he's more likely to take the Gold Coast offer than the Collingwood offer. That's just my gut feeling. Plus, he knows very well what the whole media fish bubble with the AFL 
here here in Melbourne is like. And I'm not sure if if he's going to be willing to put up with that again after being the coach of the Demons for a few years. Um, yeah, so I think I think Paul Reeves would take the job at the Gold Coast. I'd be shocked if the Suns don't contact him. To be honest with you, I'd be really really surprised. Um, yeah, what do you reckon, Eleni? Do you reckon? Do you reckon uh, Ross Lyon? Reckon he's a better chance to coach Collingwood or Gold Coast? Old Ross the boss. I think probably Collingwood. I think um, that's the thing with all of these coaches' names being thrown thrown around, and a lot of them who, you know, have sort of coached for years and years. It's I couldn't really picture someone like Ross Lyon or Alistair Clarkson even being in positions in their lives where they would want to have to then rebuild a team from the ground up. And I guess, like you were saying, I think that with Gold Coast, that would be the job. It would literally be completely reforming the side. And so I I can't picture, you know, fantastic coaches, but I can't really picture people like Ross Lyon or Clarkson really being interested in the job and even Paul Ruse I can't picture it because I think he sort of did that with Melbourne and he was I think fantastic but I just can't I just can't see them being interested in that at at this point in their careers and that's why I think maybe even just going with a a younger coach in those situations can be a good thing because they have that sort of drive and enthusiasm and the want to you know uh see their team perform whereas I guess sometimes the worry with coaches like that is that you know they've already reached points in their career that they might be happy with or you know nearing the end of their career the passion could be gone so I think with Gold Coast maybe they need a a younger coach I agree with you they probably need someone who's a bit tougher who's definitely you know willing to you know not be a people pleaser in that sense but I think sometimes the worry with the older sort of veteran coaches is that the the drive might not be there that a, a club like Gold Coast needs yeah, interesting point. We've seen with Fremantle, Justin Longnewer. He's doing pretty well at the Dockers, Justin Longnewer. He is a new new head coach. So maybe maybe they do need some new coaching, uh, head coaching blood spirit in there. Maybe a Daniel Jansiracusa, or maybe if Collingwood doesn't take Robert Harvey, maybe Gold Coast can. Or who knows, maybe if Hawthorne doesn't take Sam Mitchell, Maybe Sam Mitchell can head up to Southeast Queensland. Who knows? World of possibility at your doorstep. Gold Coast, the whole world is your oyster. Just make sure you don't end up stepping on said oyster like you've been doing for the last 11 years. On to the third section of the podcast where we preview round 15, full nine games. Thank goodness that's back. I don't know about you, Eleni, but I, I don't like the buy rounds. I understand why we have them, but I just don't like them. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they're okay. Um, it definitely feels a bit weird. Like there's, It always feels like there's like a lack of sport. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Definitely keen to, to see all the matches play out. And it starts with a blockbuster on Thursday night. I am so excited for this game. Brisbane versus Geelong at the Gabba. Eleni, I'll let you start with this one. Who's going to win? Can the Lions get revenge for last year's disappointing prelim final loss and heartbreaking loss earlier this year, both against Geelong? Or will the Cats make it three in a row against Brisbane? Yeah, I hate to say it because I'm a big fan of the Lions, but I, I do think that 
that Geelong will win. Like you said, I think there's definitely some sort of, I guess, holds they've got over the Lions at the moment. Um, and obviously playing at the Gabba, you know, Brisbane would have the edge in that sense. But I think given, particularly given Geelong just came off a great win against the Bulldogs, I I just I just feel like they might just have the edge. Um, they're obviously such an experienced side that it's very rare that sort of the pressure of a big game gets to them. So I can I can see Geelong beating the Lions. I think it'll be a close game. So I'm sort of tipping it to be maybe just under a goal, just over a goal. But I do think that uh, the, the Cats will get the win on this one. Going to have to dis- disagree with you on this one. I think Brisbane's going to win. Mitch Duncan is a massive out for Geelong, and I'm just not sure they can cover for him. And yeah, sure, Geelong's forward line is great, but Brisbane has one of the best defences in the league with one of the best defenders, Harris Andrews, patrolling the back line. You know, I, I don't think Geelong's going to score as heavily as they have been doing this season. And the main reason why I'm tipping Brisbane is this. They nearly beat Geelong in Geelong. No team gets, well, except for the dogs, no team gets close to beating Geelong in Geelong unless you are an unbelievable side, like the Dogs, like Brisbane. And at the Gabba, Brisbane, I don't know the stats, but I'm willing to bet they're a two to three, potentially four goal better team there than they are anywhere else. And so for me, I look at it, Geelong major injury, Brisbane nearly beat Geelong in Geelong, this game in Brisbane. For me, I think it's going to be a victory to the Lions. It's going to be close, I agree with you. I'm tipping Brisbane by about 10 points. Would I be shocked if Geelong won? No. I do think Brisbane's going to be too good at home, though. On to Friday night football. I don't think this game is going to be as good. Richmond versus St. Kilda at the MCG as it stands. I mean, who knows? Maybe it won't be at the MCG. I'm hoping it will be at the MCG. Will it be in front of an empty stadium? Some crowd, big crowd, who knows? We'll have to find out later on in the week. But uh, I'll start off with this one, Eleni. I don't think I have to explain this one very much. Richmond, they're hitting that time of the year when things just fall into place for them and they click into second, third, fourth gear and they blow everyone out of the water. St Kilda against top eight teams, especially this year, have sucked. Consider this, Richmond beat St Kilda on St Kilda's home ground by 86 points. The Saints aren't going to win this one on Friday Night Football. They're not going to do it. I think Richmond going to win by nine goals. And to be honest with you, that feels a tiny bit generous to the Saints. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with you on this one. I think it'll just be a fine game of football. Won't be anything too exciting. But yeah, I think that Richmond will win by four plus goals. I think it'll be like a pretty clinical, a clinical game for them. And yeah, I, I'm sure it'll be an enjoyable game of footy, but I don't think it's going to be a thrill-seeking one by any means. I completely agree with you in that sense. On to Saturday. Afternoon football. Two teams that desperately need a win. Badly, badly, badly need a victory. North Melbourne versus Gold Coast. 
down in Tasmania. Beforehand, you know, I've made the joke that, oh, North Melbourne is going to relocate to Tasmania because of the whole rumor thing. But now, I hate North Melbourne. Maybe you should consider moving to Tasmania. You guys play amazing football down there. Like, goodness gracious me. You pushed Melbourne all the way, pushed Brisbane all the way. You had a draw with the Giants and your favorites to win this one. Eleni, can the Kangaroos win their second game of the year or will the Suns finally shine brightly down in soggy, wet Tasmania? Uh, no, I, I think it sort of goes back to what we were saying earlier about the Gold Coast. I, I am tipping North. I think North are going to get a win here. And I think that it'll be obviously a fantastic win for them. Um, but I do think sort of it could potentially uh, begin a domino effect of sort of, you know, the decline of, of Gold Coast. I, I do think, like you said, that North are probably going in as underdog favourites and I think they're going to get the win. And I actually think it, it'll be a, a pretty solid win. About three goals I think they're going to win by. And afterwards the aftermath of this game, I think will be a lot of people concerned about, about Gold Coast and what, and their, what um, their future looks like. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely tipping North to get the win for sure. Yeah. Right there with you. I expect North Melbourne to get their second win of the year and the Gold Coast season to just get even, even darker. I think it could be a good game of football. North Melbourne don't win convincingly. Uh, not that they win much at all, but they, they don't win convincingly. It's going to be a 13-point win for the Kangaroos. Now, this game is very interesting, and I was very torn about this next one. Collingwood versus Fremantle at Marvel Stadium. Don't see Collingwood hosting a game at Marvel Stadium that often. Robert Harvey's first game as head coach at the Pies. I think it's Collingwood's first game against Fremantle at Marvel Stadium since round one, 2014. Won't talk about that too often for you, Eleni, because that was a disastrous game for the Pies. I don't think it will be quite as horrible as the opening round of the 2014 season was for Collingwood. But I do think that Fremantle is going to win. Let me just double check to make sure I have actually tipped the Dockers. Yes, I have. I tip Fremantle to win by four points. I'm not convinced they don't play well outside of WA. But that being said, I just wonder, Collingwood had such momentum heading into the break, and I just wonder if such a, an underperforming side can continue on with that momentum afterwards, and I have my doubts. Because of that, I think that Fremantle is going to win, but a four-point margin, anything, anytime I tip a team to win by under a goal, it's always a, a coin toss decision for me. And I wouldn't be shocked if Colin would win. How about you, Lenny? Can your pies pull off a third win in a row? Well, I mean, I always back and tip the pies regardless of if I think we're going to win or not. Um, so naturally I am tipping tipping the pies to win, but I do genuinely think that um, we're going to win the game. I think that we're showing a little bit of form lately in a very tumultuous season for Collingwood and obviously beating Melbourne was quite hilarious. Um, typical Collingwood, you know, having a horrible season, but just pull off a win like that. Just, you know, you can't, you just can't ride it any better than that. But um, I definitely think that hopefully we'll get the win against Frio. Yes. Like you said, being at Marvel is a interesting stadium choice, but I I'm backing the pies. I think we're showing a bit of form and hopefully our young guns can, can get us the win. And I think we'll probably win by, maybe two or three goals. So calm the pies. I'm not going to 
I'm not, I'm not going to say can the pies. Um, on to Saturday Night Football, MCG. This game is going to be very interesting. It's Essendon versus Melbourne, the Red Hot Bombers. Taking on the Ds, who, despite still being on top of the ladder, they're just they're just faltering a little bit. The Demons, Eleni, can the Bombers pull off yet another upset, or will Melbourne get back on track? Yeah, I think that um, you know, on face value, I think this would be quite a an easy tip in the sense that you would probably go, oh yeah, Melbourne will get the win. But I I do think this is a really big danger game actually for Melbourne. Like you said, I think. Essendon looking pretty hot at the moment you know if you have someone like Stringer pulling out another game like he did uh, and Melbourne pulling out another kind of poor performance like they did against the Pies then I I wouldn't be surprised if if Essendon didn't get the win to be honest but despite that I'm still backing the Demons I think they'll win but it won't be a comfortable win I can see it being a bit of a scrappy game and then winning by maybe 10 points but yeah, like I said, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if Essendon did actually get the win this round. I don't think our massive upset of this season is coming this weekend. I think we're a chance to beat Geelong and Geelong. Actually, truthfully, out of the next two games, Melbourne and Geelong, I'm feeling more confident about beating Geelong and Geelong. Surprisingly, and there might be people saying, "Well, come on, Geelong don't lose in Geelong. The Eagles don't lose in Perth either, and yet they lost to us." Just saying. Um, I do expect Melbourne to rebound, though. They are the team on top of the ladder for a reason, and that, that is because they are the best team in the competition as it stands, and I think they'll be too good. They don't blow teams away, Melbourne. They don't. They can win comfortably, but they don't blow teams away, so I don't think it'll be a, a shellacking. I do expect Essendon to put up a really good fight, and it's just great to say that. It's great to say that as an Essendon supporter. I expect Essendon to put up a good fight, especially after last year. How many embarrassing losses we had last year? Oh, getting shivers and shudders just thinking about it. I think Essendon's going to lose. I think Melbourne's going to win by fifteen points. I would be surprised if we if we won. If we did win, then. I reckon we're a good chance to make finals football. I know I said the F word, but I reckon it's true. On to the other Saturday night game. This is another, there's so many big games this round. So many big games this round. Port Adelaide versus Sydney at the Adelaide Oval. Now, uh, just off the top of my head, and I'm going to quadruple check this as a journalist. It is my duty to make sure that I get statistics and facts right. But as I check this, I'll, I'll say it anyways, and then I'll correct myself if I need to. I do believe that the Swans haven't beaten Port Adelaide since 2016. It's been a very long time. I don't know what it is about these uh, about these two clubs, but Port, they just have had the wood over Sydney for so long. And for me, it's as a Swan supporter, it's been kind of bemusing to, to see how comfortably the power has beaten us. And it's been at the Adelaide Oval. It's been at the SCG. It's, uh, Sydney just haven't gotten close to, the, to, to Port in, in so long. But that being said, Robbie Gray, Port Adelaide's best player, potentially best ever player, is out for this game, out for up to six to eight weeks. That's a massive out. And the Swans this year play really well against top eight teams. Really, really, really well. If they beat Brisbane at the Gabba, 
And if they beat Richmond at the MCG, no reason why the Swans can't pull it off against Port at the Adelaide Oval. And I am tipping the Swans to win by 20 points. What about you, Lenny? Yeah, I'm actually um, in agreement with you. I think, yeah, Robbie Gray is obviously a big omission. Um, I think it's a, a very close game. So I, I wouldn't be saying the Swans by 20, but I, I, I can see them sort of stealing the win um, from Port. Like you said, um, they've been performing well against, you know, the, the better sides. And I think Sydney sort of always have that ability to sort of dig deep um, and hold on to a, a win. So I can see them having a, having a tight lead going into the fourth quarter and, and just holding on by the skin of their teeth. But that being said, I can't imagine Port giving them the win easily. So I definitely think it'll be a, a tough match. A really, I can see it being quite a physical match as well. Agree with you on that one. On to before we go on the next game, Port fans who are listening to this saying, Well, I mean, come on, we beat Richmond earlier this year. Surely that counts for something. You guys have played pretty average football against other teams inside the top eight. You beat Richmond, you beat Richmond by two points. Congratulations. You lost to the Eagles by 37 points. You lost to Brisbane by a behind under 50, a shade under 50. You lost to the Dogs at the Adelaide Oval by 19 points, and you lost to Geelong a couple of weeks ago at the Adelaide Oval, 21 points. So just saying, Swans play really well against top eight teams, but Adelaide don't, and I think that trend's going to continue. On to Sunday afternoon football at Giant Stadium, potentially a very interesting one. Hawthorne coming off a couple of great weeks, uh, a massive upset against the Swans and nearly an upset against the Bombers against the Giants at Giants Stadium in Sydney's West. And Lenny, can the Giants halt the Hawks' momentum? Yeah, I absolutely think they will. I think this is going to be actually quite a clinical game for GWS. I think that they definitely will um, get on top of the Hawks. Like you said, the Hawks have been in a bit of form, but I do think that they'll be... uh, like that the GWS will just be too good I think I yeah I I'm not as um I guess interested in this game as maybe you are Casper I think GWS will win and they'll probably win by three or four goals yeah I agree that it the Giants by about 25 26 points the reason why um it's just because you know the Giants they they've already slipped up against North Melbourne and it nearly cost them four points. It cost them two in the end. Uh, They're not going to take the Hawks lightly or they shouldn't, at least. They're pushing for finals football, the Giants. And I I think that they are coming off a really powerful performance against Carlton and they'll continue that momentum this week. The Hawks are really good, but they're a young team mostly this year, the Hawks. And I just don't think that, uh, I just don't think that a young team can continue the momentum that the Hawks have had the last couple of games for much longer. So I think the Giants are going to win. On to Sunday afternoon football in the West. This is very interesting. The clash of the West versus the Western. West Coast Eagles versus the Western Bulldogs. At Optus Stadium, I'm tipping an upset. I'm tipping an upset, I'll be honest with you. The whole reason... Not the whole reason, but the biggest reason why I'm tipping this is because I need to get, I need to catch up to my dad. 
in our father-son tipping competition is miles ahead. And the way I'm gonna do that is by tipping upsets. And I'm tipping the dogs to beat the Eagles. Is that really an upset considering the dogs are top four and the Eagles aren't? Mm, that goes to show how great the Eagles are at home, but I don't think that home ground advantage is gonna help them. I think the dogs are gonna win. Eagles, too many, still too many players out. And I think the dogs are top four for a reason and the Eagles aren't for a reason. Gonna be a great game of football. Wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles pull off a last minute miracle like they did against the Tigers, but I think the dogs are gonna win. How about you, Lenny? In the clash of the West versus the Western, which West is best? Uh, that is a very good question. And I completely agree with you. I think, um, you know, after sort of a, a disappointing loss against Geelong, I think the, the Bulldogs will be wanting to uh, get back into some form. I think it's also interesting because despite, you know, their form, I think they're in a similar position to Melbourne in that people aren't completely set on calling them premierships favorites. And so I think getting a win against the Eagles would definitely cement, I guess, their contention for the season. And like you said, the Eagles are fantastic at home. So maybe it is an upset. Maybe it's not. It's a funny thing to think about who, what the upset would be in this game, but I am tipping the Bulldogs to win, but I think it's going to be a very, very close game, potentially, the Bulldogs stealing the win in the final minutes of the game, kicking a goal after the siren. I can see something like that happening. So I'm tipping them by about three or four points. They didn't do much wrong, the Dogs, last week. They didn't do much wrong in nearly defeating Geelong in Geelong. So I don't know why they can't pull it off against the Eagles in Perth. On to the last game. Now, this is going to be fascinating. Marvel Stadium. Carlton versus Adelaide. Eleni, can the Blues avoid embarrassment? Yeah, uh, I think I do. I do think they will avoid avoid embarrassment. I think the trick with this is that I I do believe they will beat Adelaide. Um, and I guess the struggle with whenever clubs are sort of coming under fire or the coach has got a bit of heat is that I think they'll beat Adelaide, but I. I don't think that's going to be the solution to all their problems. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how the game plays out, but uh, there's obviously a lot riding on this game. And to be honest, I, I hope they get the win. I don't want to see Adelaide topple the Blues because I don't really want to see the shambles that that could mean for Carlton. So I, I think they're going to get the win and I think it'll be a two-goal two win to the Blues. What about you? A Collingwood supporter saying they don't want to see Carlton in shambles. Now I have seen everything. Um, no, but look, on some level, I do agree with you. I just can't imagine the media firestorm that will engulf the Blues if they lose to the Crows. So they're going to win, but it will be very unconvincing. With the exception of the game against Fremantle in round three, and again, the Dockers can't travel well, the Blues, their, their, their wins this year have been very unconvincing, very unconvincing. And I think that's going to continue. I think it's going to be a great game of football in terms of closeness. I don't expect it to be super high scoring, to be honest with you, because Carlton don't kick a high score. Um, I will say this, though, for the Blues, massive danger game. It has danger written all over it. And if they underestimate the Crows, the Crows are going to win by 80 points. 
So massive danger game for the Blues. On to asking the last couple of questions. Eleni, uh, which game are you most looking forward to this weekend and why and which game do you think is going to be the biggest blowout of the round? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the um, West Coast Bulldogs game. I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. Uh, I can see it being, like I said, I reckon it's going to be a really close game. So I'm excited and uh, both teams are always fantastic. So I can see it being a real clash and a real battle this round. Uh, Definitely some other great games uh, this round. I mean, a close second for me is obviously the Geelong-Brisbane game. I think that's another uh, fantastic game. And in terms of any blowouts, uh, it's not really an exciting blowout, but I can potentially see Richmond really getting on top of St Kilda and like you said they sort of hit it's that time of the year where Richmond sort of start to really hit their stride so I could see this being the sort of round where they make a bit of an example out of St Kilda so I could see that potentially being a a 50-60 point win but other than that it's I feel like it could be quite a a close round but yeah definitely the Bulldogs Eagles um, is the is the the game of the round for me what about you Casper? Interesting. Uh, I'm also going to go with Friday night for the blowout. Why, why, why? When you have the West Coast versus the Western Bulldogs, why would you schedule Richmond versus St Kilda on Friday night instead? And this makes no sense. It's not like they scheduled this for Friday night before the season started, back when we thought St Kilda were going to be good. That would be understandable. But they did this a few weeks ago, back when we knew how poor the Saints were this season. So why, oh, why did they do that? I don't know. It's one of the bemusing enigma, enigmas of this season. I think the Tigers by nine goals, as I said, was a bit generous. Um, I could easily see this being as ugly as round five was, and that was an 86-point loss, potentially even more. I expect Rewalt and or Lynch to have a nice out. In terms of the game of the round, Thursday night football, Brisbane versus Geelong. It's clear that these two teams don't like each other very much. Round 22-2019 was an awesome game of football, as was round 2-2021. Two thrillers. I think both were decided by five points in the end. Brisbane won the first one, Geelong won the second one. So it's clear to me that there's animosity between these two teams. If Brisbane want to prove that they are a premiership contender, they'll beat Geelong. Similar, Geelong need to be Brisbane, I think, to help reaffirm themselves as a contender for the top two spot. I'm so excited for that one. But as you said, there's, there's awesome games all around, you know, North Melbourne, Gold Coast. Saturday especially is such an awesome day of football. You've got North Melbourne, Gold Coast, Collingwood, Fremantle. Two games where all four teams are kind of struggling this season. And then on Saturday Night Football, Essendon versus Melbourne, Port Adelaide versus Sydney. Games where the teams are doing well or better than expected. So I'm excited for Saturday. It's going to be an awesome day of football. Eleni, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Um, I wish your pies well. I can't believe I just said that. Thank you. That means 
a lot coming from you, Casper. Thanks for having me back on. Always love chatting footy with you. Um, and yeah, Khan the pies. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Join me next week when me and mystery co-host will preview round 16 and review all the big action from round 15. Until then, Avita Zen. Did I say that? Avita Zen? I should have gone with another language that I actually know how to say. Okay, scratch that. Until then, au revoir. Why didn't I go with that the first time?